Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Student of the Game. I am Kyle Nash, the Student of the Game, here with you. And listen, if you're here, chances are you like talking about sport, and we are super excited to have you here to do just that. Of course, it's only an appropriate usage of verbiage that I use the term super in my intro. Sorry, just sipping my tea there at that pun. Listen, at the end of the day, you guys probably have noticed that things are a little bit different in my surroundings here tonight. I'm still even kind of trying to figure it out as we're going here. I am not in the Student of the Game studios, as you would know and love it, out of my base uh, at the confines of the Kumo. It's been come to uh, be known as by A7BN Sports and others uh, on the Captain and Company morning show, but... I am here in Arizona from an undisclosed location as I am covering the superb owl, the 56th running of the bowl that is, in fact, super, that decides an NFL world champion here, the 57th running. That, that, that felt like a good way to put, you know, Super Bowl 57. Oh, all that, and I said it anyway. But listen, having a great time working with the crew at the three-point conversion, my dude, Controversy, Raphael Haynes doing his thing. The Duchess of D.C., Karita Parks is here as well. So also is, um, and I got to throw shouts at the guru himself, uh, 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 Controversy, Raphael's co-host over there on the radio show there in Atlanta. So that's a good time there, too. And, of course, you saw him a few weeks back when he talked about his Titans. He's here covering the Super Bowl as well. Mr. Cortland Griffin and his wife, Jay taking care of stuff that you're going to see as a little behind-the-scenes documentary of the three-point conversions coverage as well. Also working in tandem with my dude, Darrell Owens and Candy Waller with the Legacy Maker Sports Network. A lot of stuff going on here covering the Super Bowl here in Arizona. It's a great time all the way around. There's so much going on. It was like trying to sip water from a fire hose. You might have heard me talk about that a little bit, too, when I was on the Mark Moses show in 60, on uh, Radio 1520, the fan in Melbourne, there earlier today. And, of course, also checking in on the Captain and Company morning show, uh, oldschool101.com. Um, but with all the football that's going to be going crazy, we're going to have BP on to talk about the Chiefs, and we're going to have BP on to talk about the Eagles as well, right? Of course, Brian Paul would be our Chiefs guy here, the big uh, the big Chiefs fan that he is and the analyst that he is known for. Uh, be also working to cover the Orlando Guardians of the XFL, so look for that in the coming weeks. Here, weeks. It's 10 days out until the opener there, so hey, look out for that coming sooner than later. Of course, the Eagles representation would be none other than by the Muslim football scout himself, Bashir Umar Pemberton. Always great to have the premier Bashir in the building Going to get your Super Bowl picks, going to do all that. It's going to be great. But considering the fact that this is, in fact, Super Bowl week here at the Student of the Game, we're going to be transitioning to doing stuff other than football. So it makes a lot of sense to open the intro with this. Of course, if you are, in fact, living under a walk in the uh, NBA world, LeBron James surpassed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's career scoring title and is now the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Um, really not a surprise that this was going to happen, apparently, because, uh, you know, if there's to be an NBA counterpart of Tom Brady, Brady for a guy who's playing until he's 185 billion years old, it would, in fact, appear to be one LeBron James. 
I don't think this is going to change anybody's opinion of whether or not he's the GOAT or not. Um, but it's an accomplishment. The flowers must be given. You know, the guys uh, at the three-point conversion talked about it on me uh, on uh, Radio Row there with uh, the odd couple's Rod Parker. And he said something along the same line. So I think the only other spin I would put on it is I feel like LeBron is there. I always kind of, and I'm, I know I'm going to get crap for this for the old school NBA fans, but I always thought uh, Jabbar's scoring method with the sky hook was kind of gimmicky. Yeah, I know it was blo- uh, unblockable, but and there was still a grace to it. It wasn't like, you know, Shaq backing somebody in until they couldn't get supplanted anymore and then turning around and dunking the ball and me believing that it was skillful. Not that it wasn't great or physical play, but if I wanted that kind of touch, if I wanted that kind of versatility in a basketball player, I wouldn't be looking to Shaq. I wouldn't be necessarily going to Kareem as well. Again, not cheapening what he did. He also had one Magic Johnson passing in the basketball, regarded as among the best point guards in the game. But here comes Braun now breaking the scoring record as a guy who entered the league with court vision. That that being his gimmick, that being his shtick. And now he sinks the points as well. Y'all remember his first Nike commercial, right? The late, great um, um, Bernie Mac. You know, he did have court vision, you know, in the past, 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 you know, gospel song with Nike, whatever. I'm not going to try to redo it. I, my voice is not in that range. But I find it interesting that the debate still rages for some of the old school fans with Jabbar being the goat over anybody else, even just because he had the scoring title. I think that needs to go away, and I think it finally will. But that is but a small sliver of the goat conversation in the NBA. Listen, I'm a guy who feels like MJ's the GOAT, but it has nothing to do with rings or wins or anything like that. I just think it's whatever situation or scenario you put Michael Jordan in, he would assimilate to it. He changed his game later in his career when he wasn't able to take it the whole and be, be a slasher like he was. I feel like if Michael Jeffrey Jordan, see there's that middle name, full name status, right? We need to learn LeBron's middle name. We'll get on that later. But um, with Michael Jeffrey Jordan, I think if he was around in today's NBA, he would be shooting threes as was demanded of players in this era. He would be able to chuck it from the cheap seats just as good as anybody else. Why? He would work that hard to do it and make that happen. And I think it's that kind of mentality and, and adaptability to me that makes MJ the GOAT. Not to say that LeBron is bad people who think he's the GOAT. I don't get angry about it like some of y'all do. That's that's fine. Just, you know, please don't raise your blood pressure too much over this conversation. I only say all that to say, if LeBron wasn't the GOAT in your eyes already, I don't see how passing Kareem, unless you're one of the rare Kareem people that like to pop up every now and again, probably 1% of the GOAT conversation. So, hey, I made a special show devoted to you, and I basically cut you down, I guess. But... All of the above to say this, friends, um, at the end of the day, it's a great accomplishment. I'm glad they stopped the game. I know there were jokes out there that they spent a little too much time doing it. But what else in this day and age would you have expected to have happened, really? And, you know, listen, props to Kareem for the grace and his participation of the ceremony and session. I know there's some very interesting stuff where apparently uh, Anthony Davis was less than – supportive 
of Braun as a reaction, but I'll worry. I'll, I'll leave the drama to that when we're paying more attention, and I'll have somebody who talks uh, much better about the NBA, NBA than I aboard to handle that. But I say all that to say, sticking with the NBA for a bit here while we're waiting for uh, BP to jump in, <clears throat> I'm inclined to wonder the thought process behind one Kyrie Irving being moved to the Dallas Mavericks. Now, I will be um, as transparent as I can be on this. Personally, I'm not... Uh, I don't even want to comment on any of the political stuff surrounding um, um, Kyrie Irving because this isn't the conversation I'm trying to have. My thing is, his problem is the same problem you heard about from other people um, that I'm describing as far as availability, right? What's the best ability? Availability, right? And here's the thing, folks. Kyrie is a threat for that. Every now and again, he'll just kind of go missing because there's a scandal or the way, you know, if, if I won't even get into the whole COVID thing because, see, the fact that I'm having to divert in the fashion that I am from the topic of Kyrie and all that is just the entire reason that I wouldn't want him uh, as a member of my NBA franchise. There's too much drama. I'm not trying to to manage that. And then he decides he doesn't want to play because of whatever this week's outrage is that he's facing. But the Mavericks, hey, I mean, listen, if you got talent, it sells. And at the end of the day, all I can do when it comes to Kyrie Irving, I'm going to sip a little of my tea here. But hey, if I'm out West and I'm looking at the Mavericks, who haven't learned the lessons of what we've seen in Cleveland, Boston, uh, Brooklyn. You're rolling the dice and taking your chances. I mean, at the end of the day, it fits kind of a business risk concept. Um, a team associated with Mark Cuban would exhibit, right? That whole concept of, well, hey, he's going to put the Mavericks in the headlines, butts and seats, all that stuff. I can certainly appreciate that aspect of it. But for me, is it really worth all the trouble at the end of the day? I, again, like I said, I I, I wouldn't do that. I mean, the, the, I don't know. I Like I said, in the future here, we'll have other people on who know a lot more about the NBA than I. But at the end of the day, the, the off-the-court stuff kind of takes the shine off uh, off of the concept of bringing Kyrie Irving in a building. I, I just not feeling that at all. But what do I know? I'm old school. I, I don't like chucking it from the cheap seats in my basketball, and I don't like drama from my stars. But at the end of the day, if you're that desperate, a W is a W, and the Mavericks hope to get some. But speaking of a W being W and hoping for victory, Listen, we have a big old game coming this this weekend. Maybe you heard me talking about that in the preamble. Maybe you understood the reason why I am not in the confines of the Kumo. And I don't have my beautiful painting, my Aaron Evans original behind me. Maybe you noticed all that. It's because we're going to talk a little bit of the 57th running of the NFL Bowl. That is super. And let me bring in the guy who will be aboard to help me talk a little bit about the Kansas City Chiefs. My man, 
Brian Paul, better known as BP. What's going on, man? Welcome aboard. He was not ready. He's got what's got who he's make got sure I turn it. Uh, oh, can I, I get see. a how about those cheese? Yeah, I, I, I get you representing Chiefs Kingdom and all that, but all we see in the camera is city. Oh, there's the whole thing. Got it. You're drinking some tea like I was about Kyrie Irving. Okay, fair enough. All right, I'm going to see if I can do this. You are coming in, and I need you to and out. And I don't know what kind of internet service you got, but, but let's see. Yeah, okay, I just made this on my phone, my telephone to do anything like this. I didn't realize I was catching you on the go, but hey, it works out. No, um, you're coming in fine for me for the most part, so I'm, I'm going to roll with it and see what's going. But, but first, I don't know what you've seen so far of uh, my coverage here from the Super Bowl, but I found something very interesting that I wanted to run past you, and that's um, tackle Orlando Brown saying that the most underappreciated portion of the Chiefs as a team is the interior offensive line. What say you to that, my friend? Really frank. And they have to play the game of their life. Because in the last Chiefs Super Bowl, there were questions the offensive line. Patrick LeVon Mahomes II for his life more so than he was accustomed to. There were some players that that week various try to keep that minds out of our heads we forget about it. but it's the God truth play your whatever you want to call it refer to what you had Humphrey big skills. The big boys have big skills. Jackson was known to say the big ugly and with some patience and drive and down the field. I should have expected uh, that from you in this game. Nonetheless, no, I, <laughs> especially now that you've got. Isaiah Pacheco, Lair. Uh, so now you've got a three-headed mind, and you, you know to get you know you, you, man. I mean, won two playoff games and they didn't rushing touchdown. Let me stutter. I know, which is highly one of the greatest weaknesses that he has had all red zone play. Far too often, I should say, and Butker has come when those down. So, yeah, line play needs to happen. Well, uh, one person in particular that agreed with your take outright was Fox NFL Sunday's Kurt Menefee. That interior line is going to have to try to uh, stop the Chiefs, or excuse me, the Eagles advance in the middle. That's going to be a struggle. But uh, conversely, he had mentioned, and something I actually threw up on the threepointconversion.com, uh, my article about the Chiefs' defense and how they aren't, they aren't really getting a whole lot of shine. Uh, you know, I spoke with Jalen Watson, 
and Josh Williams, the two rookie, uh, two rookies that both picked off Joey Burr this time a couple weeks ago, or just or just about to pick him off twice, I should say, this time uh, two weeks ago. Um, and were a big part of it combined, have 10 starts together. And they were able to do that against a guy that was ordained the second best quarterback in the league some time ago by the talking heads that be, right? So when, when that's the case, I'll put it this way. How does one prepare when you're looking at a group of guys that's just next man up and no matter what you do, they're still coming in and picking off quarterbacks like Joe Burrow in a playoff scenario? How does one even prepare for that? You just got to you, you got to your game through emotions to what we say ball a lot and execution. You know, I want to see Patrick conventional. Like, I really want to see conventional. Jalen Hurts is the same thing, too. All quarterbacks are all things. Just one a quarterback owns pocket, do a five-step drop wide open receiver. A lot of that because you two very secondary that, you know, they'll find out that really favors the Eagles more than there's been some Spag, I don't know, man. Has more holes in the days. It's playing too high. You leave a lot over the middle, and it's just you. I know, don't offense, and so we, you know, we stop you in the second. We, you know, there anymore. And we'll add a lot of rookies back. Why not just go ahead and see if we can just outscore? That is, is with Jalen and a disaster. So, things first is you're going to have to force both to be conventional. You don't really want them. You don't want. You don't want to make it hurt. These guys do things that they're not tip. Drop back and um, they just be super. Well quarterback then it, the other side of it especially if you're the eagles playing the city roll out of the pocket don't tell me how much quarter zone is in that man's or his high ankles no because if you took lair that long to come back from the city there's no telling what has taken place kansas city for the super bowls be and Holmes to roll on that ankle right now. The Natty did it in that game, to be honest with you. You know, they comfortable. He doesn't comfortable situations. So force him to be convinced him to roll out unstretched play early handoff. And that's how you pair defensively for a, a team like Kansas City just needs even gaping hole because Hertz is going to find you and just be like he's was save it again. He's playing off 
opportunity in the world. He's just going to throw it all day long, or he'll just run. Yeah. I okay. No. Um. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop you. I'm gonna drop you out here for a sec. Uh, BP, you're you're kind of spitting in and back uh, in and back out here at the moment. So yeah. Let me um. Yeah. Let me drop you there. But no. I I think the the point that he's generally going to be making is along the lines of you know you got to balance on offense. You have to battle. And that's something you got to put together. Now, granted, I write on the threepointconversion.com. Bing, <clears throat> bing, 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 bing. Let me get the bing right. Bing. Uh, about the fact that over and above having the revolving door that's able to take care of business defensively and having the uh, underappreciated Chris Jones, a, uh, a and a group up front that has done a heck of a part in getting involved in stopping teams, I, 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 that's just a lot to ask for in that particular situation. And listen, for all the talk that we've had about mobile quarterbacks, I know we saw Patrick LeVon Mahomes II make some key plays running the ball and moving the ball. And I know he has that two-week window to have healed since pulling off that you know heroism that set up the win to achieve the AFC Championship regardless of alleged fixings of the uh, of, of calls or whatever, which is absolutely ridiculous. I feel like there's still a lot there that has to go on. And I referenced talking to Fox NFL Sunday's Kurt Menefee about it. When it comes right down to it, it's going to be interior line play on either side. That solves for all this, right? I mentioned Chris Jones. He himself's a defensive tackle and the one who himself, like Joey, bah, got picked off twice by the Chiefs defense. He came in the interior and sacked Joey Burr twice. Let me go ahead and bring BP back in here. Do we got you, buddy? All right, let's try this again with a little bit less suck. <laughs> See, I told you, I, I hate doing this stuff on the phone because my my webcam is, I, I don't know, no esta aquí, as it were. So, I yeah, we'll go back to conventional means. And you just have to listen to my dulcet tones instead. So, yes. Hey, listen, this is a podcast as well that they can get on demand on Apple, Spotify, or Anchor, among other places. Bing! Yes, good to get that in there. So, anyway, um, we were talking about interior line. I don't know. Let's try this one more time. Yeah, that was definitely part of it. You know, like I said, I wanted to flex and drop names, and I talked to Kurt Menefee about that. And um, he, he thought that the difference for the Eagles, his pick was the Eagles in a close game, but the difference was going to be the ability for the Eagles to affect what was going on in the backfield more than the Kansas City Chiefs. Despite me saying, like I said, Chris Jones and Josh Williams and Jalen Watson are a trio that, in my opinion, aren't being talked about enough. Now, granted, when you come in, Chris Jones is one of the, you know, top guys talking at the podium, you know, that they set aside. Leads one to think, but also I've watched and consumed enough media at the same time to be like, you guys are not talking enough about this. And I, I, I do know this, BP, you got a fourth rounder and a seventh rounder who picked off uh, Joe Burrow, Joey Burr, as it were. Ooh, that was a nice rhyme. And no one's talking about the fact that two bleeding rookies are the dudes that did it. And, and I think I think that in itself hasn't gotten enough shine. That's why I wrote the article the way I did on the threepointconversion.com. Bing! But please, tell me what I'm missing here. I don't think 
you're really missing anything. I just think it's the fact that Kansas City really hasn't done that enough on defense this year. I, I have always been a a critical, critical fan of Spag's defense. And this has kind of been the bane of the existence of every Kansas City Chiefs fan since Andy Reid took over. He does not run a real tight ship on defense, let's be honest. You've seen some of the scoring. Um you know, but when you have a magician like one Patrick LeVon Mahomes II, uh, you really don't have to worry about that because you've had all of these weapons on offense that'll just take care of the track meet for you. You get one or two good stops, and then the offense handles it itself. Um, and the and the other reason why you're not you're not hearing a lot about this right now, which yes, those turnovers were massive, and they're very likely what set the game apart for Kansas City is, you know, they're not big, shiny names. You know, it's not Tyron Matthew making that interception. You know, it's not Legarius Sneed making that interception. He was on the sidelines with a concussion protocol. So, you know, it, it's you're not seeing the shine that you're, you know, because Kansas City's always been known in the last couple of years for their star power. And right now, those weren't big-name stars that made interceptions. They were rookies, you know, fourth and seven rounders that, you know, stepped up and made a play. That's the next man up mentality. You know this. I mean, don't question the juggernaut that is Fayetteville State, BP. Don't you do it. Yes. No, no. I will never judge. Listen, I I, I was doing XFL press while you were out today. So, yeah, I won't. I don't listen. I don't judge a book by its cover. If it's a ball hawk, he's a ball hawk. So, you know, play your game, man. Put the pads on just like everybody else. Just the shine of the cameras that are next to you. One shoulder at a time, Exactly. (laughs) Let me preach it. But, you know, realistically, you know, these are two guys that made huge plays in a huge divisional round game, and it, it deserves a lot of that com- that conversation. But, no, of course, nobody's talking about it because it's, like, eh, you know, that's, eh, you know, Cincinnati was supposed to have won that game, eh, but they didn't. So what had know, happened was, <laughs> yeah, what had, what had happened was uh, you shove a quarterback outside the uh, sidelines there, and that's how you lose games, kids. Oh, um, boy. I don't know if they're ready to hear that out loud, BP. You no, know, you need to hear that out loud because trust me, I listen, the boo birds and the conspiracy theorists that are all going on about how pro sports are rigged. Let me tell you something. I have been a semi competitive athlete in the martial arts for two decades. I will tell you that you can't rig sports, you can influence it, but you can rig it. No, that's not possible. You could, you'd have to script it and practice it in the open. With all the media attention that people get out there for football, you'd have to watch. Everybody would see this coming, and then at that point, it's the WWE. They are rigged. They are scripted, but they rehearse the daylights out of it with no cameras watching because they just come out and say it. It's sports entertainment. This is not quite that. You really can't do this as well as you think. But I digress. I'm glad you bring that part up too quickly, just so we can nip this in the bud. Like, listen, I know in the press conference that he had today about the state of the league, Roger Goodell used the statement, our officiating is better than it's ever been. Okay, stop it. Let's not get ridiculous. But to the other extreme, and these goofballs are like, oh, it's rigged. Listen, and this kind of ties into your point. You're pointing out incompetence in officiating but then claiming them responsible for the biggest damn conspiracy known to sports man. There is no way that somebody as incompetent as you're implying, and in some cases, rightly so, would be able to pull off the conspiracy in question. Okay? You're not getting Dr. Doolittle to make Frankenstein's monster. That, that's not how that works. That's not how any of that works. I hope you get no. my reference, too. 
but exactly uh, no <laughs> like i i don't see the whole scripted thing is just so stupid and, and no. I, like you're gonna get me off on, on a rant here about you know how how social media allows stupid takes to blossom and, and and take life in a way that they hadn't ever before and listen i'm not a pro officials guy let me be clear about that there are plenty of screw-ups that happen all right there's a bad catch by Devonte smith who i did speak to today in the area uh, in the eagles uh, opportunity he was very cool talking about uh lessons he learned with Jalen Hurts both coming up as uh, up-and-coming players there, but you'll see more of that on the uh, social media side. Bing! Punchline's this, though, BP. You can't have that both ways. It's not how that works, right? No. I, I, I no, don't you know. can't. Hey, that, you can't. I cut you, can't you off because you got me on that tangent, man. I'm sorry. No, you're good, man. Listen, this is why I enjoy doing this with you, brother. I really do because it's a it's a dialogue and a diatribe at the same time. We we enjoy all of that because we're both passionate about what we do and what we cover for. So and there needs to be a lot more of that. Pa- I'm not talking Stephen A. Smith passion. I'm talking about genuine passion. You know, like we, we, <laughs> we, we you, you heard what I said. I, okay, I, the, the, I I said what I said. No, I yeah, I, I said what I said. It's on the internet. So c- come on with it. But um, well, and 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 going going on this too, like officials, <laughs> when when you work in 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 high school media like I do in covering events, and a lot of people think we're going over the top with this live streaming thing, but when you really see how it impacts the kids, you know, you'll understand it. But I digress. You know, even watching high school ball, you know, I've seen some officials make some absolute boneheaded calls, and and. <sighs> What what purpose is there to rig or influence a high school game? Z- zero, none. That's the last bastion of amateur sports in this country. College football doesn't count anymore. College oh, athletics neither. You know, across the board, NIL ruined that for everybody. That's well, a semi-pro the SEC sport. Now. Ruined it for everybody. It's just out in the public now because, as I've said for years, the SEC is the best college football money can buy. But I digress. Oh yeah, well, the the SEC and the University of Miami in the 1980s, hookers and blow, man, hookers and blow. I would know. Right. I'm a semi. Man. So, but anyway, <laughs> listen, listen, Michael Irvin was a professional athlete before he went to the Dallas Cowboys. Let's just get that out there. Oh, Where did he get his pro eat ball some golden flake potato chips and move on. Jesus. Lord. No, never. No, it's simply orange, Florida, orange juice. I'm not too old to find you, son. Anyway, <laughs> but anyway, back to the lecture at hand here. So we, we, we were really talking about, and I want to echo uh, what uh, Kurt Menefee was saying about interior line play, because this is a Kansas City team that went through two playoff victories with nary a rushing touchdown. I know I might have tried to say that in my uh, 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 Verizon moment, but <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't score a rushing touchdown, which is very unusual for them. There's always a Pacheco or a Clyde Edwards, a Lair touchdown run or, or, or somebody coming off a jet sweep, you know, or a gadget play inside the five that Andy will throw out there and, and run. They didn't get that the last time around, and that was highly unusual. And one of the Achilles heels that if you're an Eagles fan, you should have taken note of of the Kansas City Chiefs is that they're kind of dodgy in the red zone. They're not exactly like they'll score, but they're not scoring touchdowns. Harrison Butker gets his leg used a lot more in those instances than I think they should. They're not converting those red zone attempts into touchdowns every single time, even though Butker can be money from 50 you know, you don't want to put yourself in that type of situation in a Super Bowl, especially against a very good Philadelphia team who's got a quarterback that's just as mobile as you. And oh, by the way, they have their own Kelsey. So, you know, it, it's yeah. it's one of those things where 
interior line play has got to be massive. If you're Kansas City, you've got to get up and use what Creed Humphrey was saying today earlier about your big skills, you know, and, and, I'll, and I'll do my I'll do my uh, uh, Keith Jackson again. You know, whoa, Nelly, the big uglies are your best friend. Run between the <laughs> tackles with a little patience. And then he springs out, runs like a gazelle, changes positions quicker than a scared politician and makes the best play that he has to. And that's a total package. Um, so <laughs> you're welcome. So, Listen, but I'm only going to say this. The only reason why I don't agree with the big ugly concept is you don't get called big ugly with hair this good. That's all I'm saying. You know, that's that, that listen, ladies and gentlemen, Kumo Kyle Nash, my friend, the full Greek freak. <laughs> I love it. But we see the thing is, is Kansas City's got a block up front, they've got to generate a running game. You've got to throw things off balance because if Clyde Edwards Alaire had been sitting on a high ankle sprain since week nine, you know, Patrick LeVon Mahomes II is not going to be as mystical and magical as he is, you know, Super Bowl Sunday. I don't care how much cortisone you put in this man's knee or ankle yeah. or joints or whatever. I don't, I don't care how much painkiller, how many times you wrap it up on the training table. He's not going to be the mobile quarterback we're used to seeing. So he's <laughs> going to be forced into uncomfortable situations like he was in the Cincinnati game where he couldn't, he was basically, he was hopscotching through stretch plays. That's not comfortable. He rolled oh, yeah. out on to, to the right foot. He couldn't throw off of his right foot. He essentially did a, a funny jump looking thing, threw off of his front foot in the air, yet still threw with enough velocity to get it downfield. So they've got to get Edwards Alaire involved in the game. Pacheco has got to be another animal that he can be. They've got to block. They've got to generate some run offense, and they've got to start running between the tackles and getting those five, six yards in a cloud of dust and then turn around and get the 70-yard gain later. You know, you've got to do that because Mahomes is going to be forced into situations where he's not going to be able to improvise with the level of effectiveness that he's done in the past. I, you know, I obviously I want Kansas City to win this game. Uh, my pick for the Uncle Paulie Memorial Cup is subject to seeing everybody else's because I have a lead to maintain. But, but nonetheless, oh, I want to it like that as the purveyor of the tournament in question. OK. Well, it, look at it this way. If everybody picks the same team and we all lose, <laughs> I win. If we all pick the same team and we all get it right, I win. So, you know, think about that for a minute. I have all the, I hear have you responding to is if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I'm not bad about Listen, I get all that. Yeah. But um, <laughs> with all that in mind, <clears throat> you mentioned Jalen having all the physical tools and all that other stuff. It would only be appropriate at this time in juncture then because now I, the part I didn't tell you about this is this Super Bowl edition of the student of the game is very special in another way. No, it doesn't involve a Kelsey brother. Not yet anyway. But it does involve something else with the same name. I'm going to have two BPs on this show. You are Brian Paul. But my next guest, the Muslim football scout himself, the premier Bashir as I come to know him, Bashir Umar Pemberton, the second of the BP squared action. What's going on, man? Good to see you, Bashir. Kyle, how y'all doing? Hey, an honor, joy, and privilege. I was looking forward to this one because, see, here's the thing. You're a fun guy. Like, well, see, now I have to call him by his government name because you're both BP. You're a fun guy, much like Brian Paul is, but you all get into the to, to the depth and minutiae that a game like this needs. I'm glad I have my scuba certification. That's the kind of depth I'm going to have with you two here on the board. So I'm I'm good with having that. But let me swing this to you here, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about some other topics moving on. I want to go ahead and get you off the pad here real quick. I was talking to Kurt Menefee today, or excuse me, yesterday, and the point he made 
was interior O-line play is going to be a big piece for the Chiefs. And to kind of build on that, when you look at the availabilities that that were had for either the uh, for either Kansas City or Philadelphia, mm-hmm. all the big names for KC were easy to find, but they're all air quotes skill players, right? Patrick LeBon Mahomes the second, as of last week for this show, as as dubbed by the Huddle Up Committee, Travis Michael Kelsey, um, uh, Isaiah Pacheco, guys down the line, not a whole line of linemen in their featured group. Yeah, you get the availability after Jalen Hurts, Hassan Reddick, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson. Heck, I got some time with Lane Johnson on opening night. A lot more beef in the equation. Fletcher Cox among them. Mm-hmm. The only reason why Indomitian Sue was accessible as he was today is because he was a late acquisition, but he's just another bit of depth up front in that trench warfare. Do you do, are you kind of on board with the concept that it's really going to be the trench warfare piece with any game? That's the case. But do you feel like the Eagles kind of have that advantage there in the trenches? I mean, the reason why the Eagles been so good this year is they've been excellent offensive line, defensive line. You know, at the point of attack all year long. Um. Earlier in the year, they had some issues stopping a run. And when Jordan Davis went out with that high ankle sprain, they added Linval Joseph. They added Sue to the mix. And they became more stout at the point of attack and more gap discipline at the point of attack. Because prior to signing those two, they had some guys playing in there. And their strengths wasn't, you know, specifically being strong at the point of attack, being able to two gap as far as stopping a run. And the Eagles linebackers, TJ Edwards, Kaiser White are really good, but they're not necessarily a bigger 80s, 90s style inside linebacker. So as far as their defensive line, the signing of Sue and then the signing of Linval Joseph has improved their run defense. And then when you look at their offensive line, which has, you know, been a strength of this team going back to when Andy Reid came here and he established and taught this franchise how important having offensive and defensive line play is. You look at Kelsey, future Hall of Famer. You look at Landon Dickerson, made a Pro Bowl this year. And Isaac Sayamalu has been on his team for five years now, and he's one of the more underrated players on this team. I always say when you don't hear offensive lineman's name being called out on a frequent basis, that means he's playing okay. And Sayamalu's name doesn't get mentioned a lot, but he's one, one of the, you know, he's probably a top 10 right guard in this league. So, if the Eagles are going to win this game, offensive line and defensive line is going to have to play well. I, I will amend your point about offensive linemen not being talked about or heard from much. The prerequisite that is the exception to that rule is if you have your own podcast, they're going to talk about you a lot. I'm just going to throw that out there. I think it's important to distinguish that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, the Cal- <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, the Kelsey brothers got the podcast and – like us here, we've gotten to know Jason over the last decade plus. 
and we know what kind of guy he is and you know his brother you know they I, I you know you could just tell you know what kind of family they come from both of them are outspoken down the earth type of guys if you've seen them downtown you know they would shake your hand and give you a bro hug and you know they just two normal down the earth guys so it's crazy to think that two hall of famers came from the same household it's rare to see something like that but i mean i would like to talk to the parents and find out which one of the parents was an athlete because you just like that's that's dna to get two athletes like that out of one household i got to find out whether mom dad somebody down the lineage was a, a hell of an athlete because <laughs> they're two elite athletes at their positions like jason kelsey might be the, the best athlete at center i've ever seen in my life like i've never seen an offensive lineman a center move the way he does the eagles are able to do so many things going back to andy reed going to Chip Kelly, the Doug Peterson. Like, he's been through four coaches. And the Eagles have been able to do so many things offensively because of the athleticism and the greatness of Jason Kelsey. Yeah, to build on that point, they're both so energetic energetic in their presentation on the pod, and, and they, they both move so well. I forget Kelsey's a decade into the league, right? Yeah. I forget – um, to, to like you said, Jason Kelsey's been through four coaches. I, I forget all of that, and I, I have to say that 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 to me it, it says volumes. And you mentioned being able to be so balanced and be able to do so much. How there's no other way you're able to do that without your line, first of all, being versatile like that. I mean, listen, you managed to shed Jason Peters and basically not lose a beat until there was injuries involved with Lane Johnson. Big deal that he came back, too. I'm sure you will acknowledge that. But with all that in mind, none of this is possible. Patrick LeVon Mahomes II doesn't acknowledge that he's got the same athleticism, certainly at the very least, you know, better. I think the way he said it was he has all the physical tools, he could throw the ball, you know, you don't have any of that without the versatility up front and the intelligence and IQ up front. I mean, not to say that Kelsey doesn't know his stuff, but when you're the center and you're calling block patterns and things like this, you know, that's that's a big part of the equation. Uh, I got to look to the comments here real quick, though. My guy Drew Willingham of the In-N-Out Sports Debate Show has jumped in and jumped aboard. I wanted to show his comment because I'm pretty sure that's the closest a commander fan's going to get to the Super Bowl anytime soon. Anyways, so with all that <laughs> Hey, this is a fun show. This is what we do, fellas. Yes, but it really is. really quick, while I have both you guys here, there's two kind of interesting questions that are out in the lexicon and smarter minds like you guys. This being the student of the game, we explore things we don't necessarily debate and pretend to have awful takes, as you see out there in some of the lamestream media. Yeah, I said what I said, BP. I know. But... And that goes for both of you, so I don't have to worry about who I'm talking to. I'm loving this pun too much. Let me move on. So the first thing I want to put out on the docket there is I find it very interesting that basically the week-ish, not even a full week, after Thomas Edward Patrick Bieber Brady retires, mm -hmm. 
people start having that conversation about Patrick LeVon Mahomes II being the GOAT. I have gone four years saying that Brady is not the person I think is the GOAT. Other people can think so. I'm not mad at him. If you if you like pretty shiny things like trophies and, and accomplishment is your deal, a team's accomplishment being attributed to an individual, you do you. I'm not, I'm not here. This isn't a debate show. But I am fascinated that now suddenly we get a mobile quarterback that has the rate of success that Patrick LeVon Mahomes II does, what, five years in? Mm-hmm. And now we're already having that GOAT conversation? Anybody else find that weird? Don't just back up the that. don't back up the Brinks truck yet. <laughs> don't, don't back up the Brinks truck yet. All right. And and I'm gonna tell you why. Because Tom Brady wasn't considered the GOAT until around about the fourth Super Bowl or so. Right. It took it took a while. And I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tie this in to conversations that are being had in Tallahassee right now with Mike Norvell. Uh, and and for for the uneducated or unfamiliar, I'm 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 not just a diehard Seminole. I'm a graduate, so I've seen a little of everything from both sides of the street. Mike Norvell just got a contract extension to 2029 at 8.05 million dollars, and they're doing everything they can to keep this man right. Well, here's the thing: Bobby Bowden didn't start a dynasty until he had consistency. When you had decade after decade of top 10 finishes, bowl victories, you had five or six shots at a national championship, and, and Bowden took two of them, right? By the way, bowl victories before there were 40. Yeah, bowl before there out. were gazillions of these. Before there was a, a New Year's Six or anything like that, when the Fiesta Bowl was like a treat to people, you know? So... When you had that consistency, when when the draft classes, which most of them ran through Florida State, you know, or or the state of Florida in general, you know, that built consistency over time. And as it as it built and as it lingered and as the decades passed on, Bobby Bowden was considered a legend at that point. Same thing with Norvell. Okay, so we got a 10 win season. We won the Cheese It Bowl. Great. Over a so six gonna, and seven Oklahoma team, I might add. Right, but you still, but still, you know, now all of a sudden they're talking about trying to make this guy the highest paid coach in the state of Florida. All right, in a ten year well, contract too, right? Yeah, yeah, about a ten year contract now. Yeah, it's more or, or less year, another. Sorry, it, it would be his tenth year when it expires. Right. Sorry, I said that wrong. Right, and 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 the value of his contract now pushes Mario Cristobal outside of the top ten highest paid coaches in college football now. Which Mike Novell has a question. <laughs> right, that is. Mike Dovell hasn't solidified his his legacy yet because he hasn't been there long enough. How many ACC championships has this guy won? How many times has he beat Miami and Florida consistently every year? How many times has he beat Clemson? You know, so still a lot of questions to ask. One Patrick LeVon Mahomes II, who we adore, who's been on cereal boxes, of which I have two. <laughs> you know, and I don't even live in Kansas City. That's what's great about it. You know, he's okay, great. Consistent playoff appearances, seven, seven division championships. They just hosted their fifth AFC championship game. They're going to the Super Bowl. I've lost count now, right? They they got one, and now they're going for that that second one. You know, will they ever get it back to back? Who knows? That's really hard to do. But but the the pinnacle of what made Tom Brady the goat was that constant deluge of the Patriots are this and the Patriots are that. 
we are really close with Pat Mahomes right now. We're close. But we need another Super Bowl win or two, another MVP or two, and and he's got to have a few more guys around him that are Hall of Famers before you can get that 10-year, $375 million broadcasting deal with Fox and ride off to the sunset. He doesn't have... He doesn't have the legacy yet. Will he, though? If he beats Philadelphia, he's one step closer. If he doesn't, he's a half step closer. Because, yes, getting back to the Super Bowl is a big deal and staying in that hunt. Because Tom Brady didn't win them all. He sure didn't. You know, But there were some instances where we thought he could. When you can get to the level that Tom Brady was when every year you're a Super Bowl threat – and every year you're in the playoffs. Nobody wants to play at Arrowhead ever. And 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 when you get into that conference championship, you're a 10-point favorite. Then and only then will Patrick Mahomes be considered the GOAT. But until that point, he's still got a lot left to prove. And you got to remember, he's a very young quarterback right now. Tom Brady didn't really get start getting called the GOAT until he was almost 50. I mean, 35. <laughs> First of all, Drew Willingham is buying what you're selling. He has said both BPs are crushing it on the episode 57. I mean, this is really only episode 30-something, but I know what he's doing there. He's talking about the 57th running of the bowl that is super. I'm with that. Um, You've got a lot of solid points, BP. I would add this really quick, and then I'll throw it to you, Bashir. Um, uh, Yeah, I I had to say Bashir because I I made the BP mistake. See, you got to be prepped for this stuff. Um, A lot of what... Brian Paul said is completely accurate. One caveat being a data man that I feel compelled to insert is Thomas Edward Patrick Bieber Brady II also had top level defenses supporting him. Nobody wants to talk about that. And we don't really talk about it again until I ask Richard Seymour about it during his Hall of Fame induction, for example. There's not enough shine being talked about how, how Patrick LeVon Mahomes II is more heavily involved in his possible dynasty. I don't think they're there either, but BP, I mean, back. let's not back up the big Brinks trip. I think you're in the same camp with that, right? Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and, no, and that, that was my back- fault. That was my fault. I meant Bashir. Sorry, Brian. Paul. Oh, my G. Oh, Lord have mercy. We're going we're gonna to do this all night. So, no, no. But yeah, to, to, ta- <laughs> to caveat, and then I will throw it to my right honorable friend on the screen below here. Uh, yes, you are correct. You know, don't back up the Brinks truck yet. And the one thing that you're right, holding back Kansas City from naming uh, Patrick Mahomes the goat of all goats is that defense. Because, again, too porous. Spags hasn't figured it out yet. And until they can start dominating opponents on defense. Yeah, it's, you know, it's all about that. Now down to the other VP. (laughs) Thank you. I just think it's it's too soon. I mean, look at the box. Oh, the quarterbacks in the past that we've talked about being the GOAT, the Joe Montanas, the Elways, the Peyton Mannings, the Drew Brees, the Dan Marinos, like they had a body of work. Mahomes is on his way, barring some, you know, serious injury or something catastrophic happening. You know, for his first five years in this league, we haven't seen accomplishments like this so he's on his way five years into an nfl career yeah he's the best we've seen through five years 
But when we look at Brady, we look at Joe Montana, we look at Drew Brees, we look at Peyton Manning, we look at John Elway. He hasn't gotten there yet, but he's possibly on his way. That's the thing about it. With this whole week in between the game, you get a lot of what ifs. And here in Philadelphia, all week we got local radio hosts saying, this Eagles team is the best team in Philadelphia sports history, but they haven't won, they haven't won yet. <laughs> they haven't won yet. Like, let's see if they win on Sunday, because if they don't win on Sunday, then how are they better than the 1983 Sixers with four Hall of Famers, Dr. J, Moses, Cheeks, and Bobby Jones? How can you say they better than? the Flyers teams that won it back-to-back in 74 and 75. You know what I mean? So this whole week, you got – and I love Patrick Mahomes. He's arguably the mo- one of the most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen. But let, let's, let him get another five years in. Now, a decade in, two, three rings, seven, eight Super Bowl appearances, then you can start having that conversation. But I just think it's, it's too early – to say he's the goat of anything, you know what I mean? It's just too early. No, I'm 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 completely in agreement with that because you know as much as I make fun of 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 you know of certain aspects of Tom Brady's career that we don't like to talk about anymore because it doesn't sound good at parties, you know, like the whole being carried by a defense thing that nobody wants to talk about that. You know, the moment moment Revis Island comes in, he stops having a playoff drought. Nobody wants to talk about that, but. Longevity and consistency are keys to greatness, gentlemen. And that's harder. It's harder to stay on the mountain than get to the mountaintop, right? I don't think anybody's going to argue that in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And to this point, listen, I think BP mentioned it. See what I did there? I think both guys mentioned it, that it's not too, it, it's not time yet. But, man, he's making the case. The foundation's being built. Mm-hmm. But in that same ilk, and let me throw this to you, as somebody who resides in the in the uh, state of uh, Pennsylvania there, uh, Bashir, Andy Reid is somebody who has gotten to consistent conference championships in both conferences. Mm-hmm. If there's ever been a kryptonite to one Bill Belichick, one can argue it's been Andy Reid at times. Should Andy Reid win to, uh, on Sunday, I was about to say tomorrow. If he wins tomorrow, it's only going to be in an eating contest. Um, hey, he would say he would make the joke too. I watched him do it. But Oh, yeah, he's <laughs> self-deprecating. He's been that way for forever. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, but are we ready to have that conversation now in the sports world of Andy Reid being a better coach than Bill Belichick? I mean, he's right there with him. I mean, Andy Reid has won over 100 games with two different franchises. I mean, he got to the Super Bowl once here with the Eagles, five NFC championship games. We've seen the success that he's had with Kansas City. I think this is fifth championship. He's been to five AFC title games with them as well, one Super Bowl, um, Super Bowl title win. Has does he have the the amount of Super Bowl wins as Belichick? No, he hasn't. But this second ring 
and I think it's like that for for coaches. Period in the NFL and NFL history. Once you get that second Super Bowl win, it elevates your status. The Tom Coughlin's, the Bill Walsh's, the Lombardi's, Bill Parcells. You haven't noticed when we talk about the best coaches that have coached this game, we talk about guys that have had multiple Super Bowls. So if the Chiefs do end up beating the Eagles on Sunday, then we able to put Andy Reid in that same group with those guys. I did I can't put it I can't put it too much better. Brian Paul, what you got? No, I I definitely agree. Bashir's on point with that. You know, it's it's nice to do it once, but when you get that second one, it's it's that much sweeter and it starts putting you into that elite status as a coach because now it's not just you're a, a one pump chump, as it were. You know, now you figured it out. <laughs> you know, now you figured it out at this point. <laughs> See, yeah. you, you gotta forgive Bashir, Brian Paul. He doesn't know you, he doesn't know your antics yet, man. You got I think <laughs> you, you got him with the Kevin Hart thing. I wasn't ready. <laughs> I'm sorry. I forgive me. My inner colonel no, came good. out for a second. No, there. you good, bro. I, no, you got yeah. them all for the last. No, listen, that's 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 what makes it fun, man. But no, you you know, it, it's it's not just a one off at this point. Once you get that second one, now you figured it out. The the calculus has been done and you start you start getting that talent that you've been working with. And now it, it starts to believe, you know, it's like, hey, we want a Super Bowl. We were you know, we were, quote, dialed in. But, you know, you've seen that we haven't been back since now that we're there. Now, now we get this second ring. Buddy, you thought Travis Kelsey was a fireball. Now, get him a second ring. Watch what he's going to do. His podcast will triple in listenership at that point because it's going to be hilarious, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and might I add one, one one quick point? I'm gonna throw this out there for consideration. The Kelsey brother saga, in my opinion, with those two guys and and how talented they are and how jovial they are and their love for the game, I think it's better than watching Tiki and Rondé Barber. I think that's no, the better. I, th- I think that's that far surpasses any or even the Watt brothers. You know, it it far surpasses in terms of sibling duos in the NFL. I, I honestly think that that the Kelseys uh, take the cake on that one for sure. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll set my Watt bias aside because technically there's more than two Watt brothers in that instance. So I'm I'm gonna let you slide on that and and keep my Watt fanboyism back behind. But yeah, you were about to say something, Bashir. Yeah, I mean, you got. The, the Kelseys, both of them going to be Hall of Famers. I mean, the Watt brothers, JJ going to be a Hall of Famer. TJ Watt is trending towards a Hall of Famer. You got their brother, Derek, who's been in the league five, six years. I mean, again, I want to talk to the parents and find out who's the athlete because <laughs> it, it don't happen by accident that you get three kids you know, into the NFL. And then you look at the Sharks. Shannon Sharp at his Hall of Fame introduction couldn't stop crying because he said, I'm probably the only one here with this jacket that's not even the best player in my household. That's right. Sterling Sharp, you can make the agreement if we're going to put Gail Sayers and we're going to put Terrell Davis into the Hall of Fame. For, for, for six, seven years, it was a legit argument whether Jerry Rice 
or Sterling Sharp was the better wide receiver. Sterling Sharp got a case to be in the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, we look at the Sharp brothers, we look at the Watts, we look at the Kelseys. I mean, then you want to talk about families, period. We can look at the Matthews family. That's we got true. two brothers, a grandfather that played in the NFL. We're talking about four, four generations of you know family members that been in the NFL. So all they did in that case was keep you from having to search for the parents like you've been asking for, uh Bashir. That that's that's the good news with that, right? Yeah, like we know in the Matthews family, you know, it <laughs> went from grandfather, father to brothers and cousins. Yeah, but hey, listen, in the name of keeping the humor up, listen, Brian Paul mentioned, you know, the the camaraderie and, and, and the funniness they have. Listen, it's thanks to the Kelsey brothers that I went to Super Bowl opening night and heard Travis Kelsey utter the phrase, yes, I would put my nutsack on my brother's drums. Actual thing that happened, actual <laughs> thing he said into a microphone at a Super Bowl opening night. I'm not I'm not surprised, man. Yeah. That's how that's those two guys, man. That's what neither, I'm saying. Neither am I. No, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't shock me in the slightest. In fact, I'm surprised he hadn't done it sooner. And maybe he has. I'm just telling you, no, I don't know. At the Super Bowl, if someone says to you, Hey, you're gonna hear this phrase, you're gonna be like, not without getting kicked out, and then Travis does it. That's, that's all I'm saying, guys. But we're having fun here. I wanted to bring up one more topic before we go to picks because I did tease this particular episode as having implications to the NFL and the game of football well beyond Sunday in general. And, and I think we've really seen the culmination of it. And I've been talking about it on uh, this show and other shows like the Earnestly Speaking podcast bing, and the Huddle Up podcast. Bing, and even maybe mentioned it talking with our good friend Slick Vic, Brian Paul, or or somewhere else in some A7B in, in sports setting. Bing! Any of that's probably happened. But I, I know the focus, and rightly so. I'm going to go full Joe Clatt and go rightly so beforehand. But there's been a lot of focus on this Super Bowl being the first one where two quarterbacks of color are starting at the position, which should absolutely be celebrated. It's an amazing thing, and, and I'm really glad to see it. And I'm sure Bashir will agree with me. Both you guys will agree with me when I say now if only the coaching aspect could catch up. But that's a whole other question. Um, when it comes to this, though, I think what we're also seeing as a result is a world potentially where the true drop back quarterback might have retired with Tom Brady. Right. And this is the way this is the way I look at it. And I had this similar conversation with Kurt Menefee, Michael Vick, both um, that mobility listen coaches don't give a dang what the hue of your skin is if you can escape a pass rusher you're valuable you sure. could be you could be patrick lavon Mahomes the second you could be jalen hurts you could be aaron Rodgers. you can be trevor lawrence it mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you can escape that's a beautiful thing and it would just so happen to coincide with you know fewer quarterbacks of color starting that aspect of it was kind of taken away from the game. I mean, listen, I'm going, I'm going with Bashir here using the genetics of things and the physiology of things to kind of compare things together, right? When's the last time you've seen somebody with closer to my or Brian's hue of skin win a gold medal in the Olympics in track? I'm just throwing it out there. So I say all that to say this. Do have we seen the true drop back passer 
I'm not going to say outright disappear. Outliers are an amazing thing. There's a Manning brother out there still trying to make his way up. I get it. But, mm-hmm. but see, let me ask you first. Have we seen the end of the mo- of the st- true dropback quarterback in the NFL level? I think nowadays because the athletes on defense are so much better, like like bigger, faster, stronger. Having a quarterback that has some mobility that can extend a play or make a play with his feet and definitely get away from these defensive linemen and linebackers is, is important. You know, and like you said, I don't care regardless of skin color. And speaking of the Arch Manning, Arch Manning can move. Fair. He can move. You know what I mean? So nowadays, having – a guy that can escape and he don't necessarily got to be because Mahomes moves, but he doesn't always move to run. Mahomes extends plays to get guys open. You know what I mean? So you don't necessarily got to be a guy that's going to take off and run first, but if you got the capability to extend plays to escape, you know, Hassan Ruddick beat the right tackle like a drum and then he's right there, and you able to slide up and slide, you know, right or left and make a pass. I think it's needed now in today's game. But also being able to process information and being able to win from the pocket is also important as well. Because you know, what I mean, nowadays teams is playing with two linebackers, five defensive backs. A lot of teams is playing three and four wide receivers. Teams is playing with a dime package, nickel package. You know what I mean? Three safeties, two corners. So you also need to have the capability from that pocket to be able to make quick decisions as well. So it's kind of a mix of the both. But if me personally, if I'm building a team, like if I'm coaching a team, I do want a quarterback that obviously can win from the pocket but you want a guy that's similar to a basketball player. I always get a, the Allen Iverson comparison. When all else fails, a guy like Iverson, a guy like Jordan, a guy like Kevin Durant, a guy like Kobe, if the play fails, they can create space and get their own shot. So when we talk about quarterbacks, an offensive lineman might get beat from the jump. And we've seen it with Mahomes. We've seen it with Jalen Hurts. We've seen it with Trevor Lawrence. We've seen it with Justin Fields. They can beat. They got that because of their athleticism. They can beat the free man and make a play. And I think that's what you really need. Bashir, I love I love that that you referenced in uh, Allen Iverson because that helped it be a wonderful answer. Anyway, <laughs> before we go on, I want to let you flex your muscle a little bit here as as the Muslim football scout. Can you mention off the top of your head another Super Bowl where you had two quarterbacks that had 40 times as fast? Because I'm having trouble with that in mind. It's... Uh, I mean, it's too – no. See, I didn't think so either. And, and I you know what? You know what's crazy, though? Like Mahomes – I think Mahomes ran like a – like in the high four sevens, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So he didn't necessarily time fast, but like he mentioned earlier this week, 
he run fast enough to get away from whoever is chasing him. You know what I mean? So Mahomes, at, like as far as straight line speed, like a time speed, it didn't come out necessarily great. But we've seen Mahomes in his career run away from a linebacker, run away from a safety, run away from an edge rusher, trying to take um, chase him down. So I always tell people, like, when you scouting a player, you got, you know, guys that can run on a track, no pads or anything, guys that move fast and time well. But you watch the tape and you be like, you know, I didn't notice him playing that fast on tape. You know what I mean? It happens a lot. Like a lot of a lot of mistakes that have been made as far as scouting players over the years is you'll see them play on tape and see one speed, but then we get to the combine. You know what I mean? Mike Momula, you know what I mean, kill the combine jump high, run fast, this, this, and that, and you get infatuated by them times and not saying that they're not important. But if the times don't match the tape, there's an issue. You can't fall for that. You know what I mean? So Mahomes is a guy that didn't necessarily test well athletically. Like, it wasn't off the charts. It was pretty average. But when we watch Mahomes play, and move around and run and shuffle the agility and stuff like that. You see the athleticism. Like now, Jalen Hurts, you know, tested his testing was crazy because the guy squat six hundred something pounds. Broad jump was crazy. I think he ran like a four five eight four five nine something like that. So you kind of expected him, you know, what I mean, to be able to move the way he moves. And when you watch him. Jalen Hurts is kind of like a – he got the athleticism, but he's not necessarily like this – like Michael Vick was shifty and fast. Jalen Hurts is fast and kind of like a straight line type of player. And, you know, he's well – like a Cam Newton, but yeah. a smaller version of a Cam Newton. Matter of yeah. fact, like a small – Josh Allen. Josh Allen can move, but we don't necessarily see Josh Allen – making shifty lateral moves, he plant his foot in the ground and get the going and is willing to run you over, you know, to finish a run. So both of them are real athletic, but the athleticism is displayed differently. I think if he was a little taller, he might get cast in a Marvel movie as a juggernaut. No, I hear you. Um, with that with that in mind, I had to throw the nerd drop in there. I'm sorry, Bashir. But uh, <laughs> let me let you put a bow on it there, Brian Paul. Well, let me t- let me say this. I'm I'm with Bashir on the the numbers being deceptive because it's not, you know, that, that I've never looked at the combine as as the surefire indicator of what a player is going to potentially do in the pros. I don't even think it's a really good baseline. You know, it it, it kind of gives you a, a snapshot of what that person can do. You know, free of the the stress of the game and free mm-hmm. of pads and things like that. You know, it kind of kind of lets you know what they might be capable of, but at the same time, you know, you're really not going to know until you see something at game speed, you know, and that's, that's the truth. Going back to the, the quarterback issue. um, The drop back passer is dead much in the same way that video killed the radio star. 
And the, the, real, the really, the really, the reason is, is because that's what's happening in lower divisions of football right now. Correct. Come on, come on down to your local high school. I guarantee mm-hmm. you, what are you going to see? You're going to see the spread. They're all yep. playing in the spread right now. And college, you know, ever since Charlie Ward in 1992 dropped mm-hmm. back in the shotgun at Georgia Tech, have we been seeing, you know, the, the shotgun offense used as a mainstay in college yep. football. So high school feeding college, college feeding the pros. That's what's available nowadays. If you yep. find a drop back college playing somewhere at IMG Academy in Fort Lauderdale, you call me and let me know because they're not there. They're playing in spread formations. They're playing in the gun because it, it is, it, it's a simpler offense. There's less time involved. And you, you got to go back to a quarterback like Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner had all of his success in the NFL, not because he was some natural athlete or some fantastic quarterback or, or student of the game. Bing! Uh, you see, see what you did, did there. there. Yes. Kurt Warner learned his speed from being the quarterback of the Iowa Barnstormers in the AFL. And he attributed the speed in which his internal clock, because now you got eight guys, and one of those dudes is a 350-pound mofo who's coming at you in 100 yep. miles an hour on a 50-yard field. So you bet away at that point. Yeah. So Warner Warner is a Hall of Fame quarterback because of what he had to do in, in the arena game to adapt. And he was one of those drop-back quarterbacks now. So, the, But that, that age is gone now because the next generation of kids – you know, the indoor leagues are not a place you want to go anymore. Not yet. We'll find out in 2024 if the AFL really does come back with any abandon with 16 yeah. teams. Good luck. Oh, don't you worry. Know. You'll be coming on this show to talk about that soon enough. Yes, I will. I can't wait for that episode. <laughs> but, you know, but, but we'll we'll see if that's a, another viable developmental opportunity because that's where you're going to find your drop back quarterbacks in the indoor game. You know, go to Canada. They don't drop back to pass in Canada. No way. So, you know, the the age of the traditional Tom Brady style prototypical five step and throw quarterback or seven step and throw quarterback is dead. And it died long before Tom Brady retired. Mm -hmm. You know, as soon as you started seeing Ben Roethlisberger try to make that movement in the pocket just out of sheer desperation, the style of the game changed. And, And really, it had nothing to do. You know, Bashir's point is correct about defensive linemen being way more athletic than they used to be. They're smaller, they're more compact, they're faster, more explosive off the line. Watch the offsides penalties that took place this season. There's a lot of guys that had that clock revving. They're going. They're anticipating snap counts. They're listening for hard counts, and they're exploding off the line. So, yes, that that has changed in the NFL, and that's made it better and forced quarterbacks to be a little bit more savvy and shifty in the pocket. Look at your reads, find an opportunity, run or throw it away. But, By the way, about uh, I just I just got done talking to Indomitian Sue recently. He agrees with you both. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, it, he's right. But in in any case, though, you know, yes, the NFL's defenses have adapted to that style of quarterback, and the quarterbacks are making the change. But the pipeline of available talent that is moving towards the league these days, and and you're going to find this in the spring leagues too. They're all going to play in that format because that's what quarterbacks are doing these days. It's not. It's no longer trendy. It's ingrained into the the game as it as a core, and that's how offensive coaches are scheming these days. They're expecting to have a quarterback in shotgun, whether or not he's mobile or not is up to par. You know, and 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 I'll, I'll do a little history lesson for you. The first guy that I saw that was one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the league that kind of threw everybody off, one Houston Oiler quarterback Warren Moon. Mm-hmm. 
he was one of the early guys that did that stuff. He wasn't, he wasn't the best at it at the time, but he was one of the first that had more mobility and more athleticism in the pocket than was typical of like the Joe Montana's or the Dan Marino's, you know, it kind of fit him like an isotoner glove. Yeah, I mean, and he was, he was a guy who wasn't given the chance to play in the NFL right out of college, right? The university of Washington put up crazy numbers We've seen the physical tools that he had once he got to the NFL, but because of skin color, he had to go play in the CFL, and he destroyed the CFL and set all types of records, won great cups, and then once he got to Houston, you know, we've seen a Hall of Fame quarterback, a guy that played, he played till he was 43, and Chris Carter will tell you he, ne- he never was thrown a, a, a more catchable ball than from Warren Moon because the ball was tight, tight rotation, great spin, and it was easy to catch, even though it had tremendous velocity on it. I, I like yeah, the boy. term tremendous velocity that fits there too. I would only I and, and Warren Moon's a great call out there too, but he already has his gold jacket. I would add in, I would add in another player, uh, same franchise where a lot of those same check marks are uh, are, are present. Granted, maybe not Grey Cups, but um, and over, over and above, including his his uh, Hugh uh, as well in Steve McNair. We're still waiting on him mm. getting his gold jacket. I think we need to have that conversation sooner than later as well. Um, Absolutely. But I'm not on that committee. So the only the only barrier, I think, to all of the above being completely accurate is one thing, and it's a completely different color, green. No, I'm not blaming the Eagles for anything, Bashir. What I'm saying is the way quarterbacks are paid right now, if they're going to get hurt the way that can happen, if you see more outings like one Lamar Demetrius Jackson um, where he has back-to-back season missing a significant mm-hmm. amount of time, and then you need a backup that's capable doing the same thing like a Huntley, that's going to get really expensive really fast in the salary cap. The numbers aren't going to jive so hot. Something's going to give somewhere. And, and I think that's the part that either the economics of the position are going to change, which doesn't seem likely because a quarterback is so important to a franchise. That's abundantly clear. Or it's going to have to be a situation where you're going to have to go uh, um, Michael Vick's Atlanta Falcons when he did get hurt. Matt Shaw would come in for a bit, keep the engine running until he got back involved. Yeah. But how comfortable do we have? I mean, we may have the coaching um, ability out there somewhere to have a, a team put together where you can change quarterback styles like that in the event of an injury. But I think I think it's going to be the quarterback salary, which would then hinder everybody else of talent being on a field. It's going to either lead to a, a complete change in salary structure somewhere. Maybe not the quarterback position. Maybe there'll be an increase in a, even more so with offensive linemen and, and that particular piece, I don't know how the numbers are going to fall off. I'm a data guy. I haven't had the opportunity to crunch the appropriate numbers, but there's going to be an impact there. And I think that might be the only thing that truly 100% slows this pro- progression uh, from a practical standpoint. But I mean, all your football points are spot on gentlemen. I'm not going to argue that at all. We're at the, uh, we're coming up on the hour and 15 mark here. So gentlemen, I think it's that time. Let's go ahead and get our picks in. Gentlemen, honor, joy, and privilege to do the show with you both. Uh, but let me go ahead and start out with our favorite comic relief, Brian Paul. 
I know you're probably going to pick your Kansas City Chiefs. And if you don't, it'll be a perfectly logical reason that I want to hear. But give me your prediction and score, sir. Well, everybody knows I bleed red. So, and I'm not talking about cheeseburgers because I have to give that up now to, you know, I don't want to end up as big as Andy Reid. I want to be smaller than that. Yeah. You don't want to look like the Kool-Aid man wearing your Chiefs gear. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, this this is this is the season that that we wanted to see out of Kansas City this year. This is what Chiefs Kingdom has been waiting for. Um, you know, get that trip to the Super Bowl. Tom Brady's not a factor. There's no Josh Allen. There's no, you know, the monkey's off your back now. You finally socked it to Cincinnati as you should, flying turkeys and all. If you're old enough to understand that reference, you know. But you, you've, you're there. And, and he's banged up. I'm interested to see what they do. Some medical miracle is going to take place here. I'm going to have to call Dr. House to find out what they did for him. But nonetheless... This is a tight game. I, I think this is going to be the best Super Bowl that we've seen in a little while. I think the fans are going to be jacked for it. I think Philly's going to bring their A game. We we know what they've done in the NFC. They've absolutely demolished opponents. I don't see them doing that to Kansas City completely, although I do see a track meet uh, taking place. My over-under on this one is at least 50 um, you know, I, I think there's going to be some offense in this game for sure. I think that both quarterbacks are going to find some holes. Um, maybe we'll see a running game now that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is back. Um, you know, the, the raging Cajun and that ravishing rookie who are going to make wonderful things happen. You know, it's like I said, the interior line's got to play up, you know, three, four, five, six yard in a cloud of dust and then bust the big one. Um, Kelsey dancing over the middle, you know, all the, all that fun stuff. But I think it's close in the fourth quarter. I think we're talking, you know, like I said, the scores in the 50s, you know, over under. Um, but I think it's going to be another one of those exciting finishes where Philly has a lead in the fourth. They leave far too much time for Patrick LeVon Mahomes the second on the clock, as was the mistake of the Buffalo Bills. And he marches down the field and Harrison Butker does it again. Game winning field goal. Kansas City wins it in a close one. And no, the economy doesn't tank because Philadelphia wins an athletic competition. That's the myth that I keep hearing that every time Philly wins something, the economy tanks. No, I want my <laughs> eggs to stay the same price. Can I get it for you? Loud and proud cheese kidding. How about those cheese? I mean, if nothing else, the cleanup crew gets some extra work. I would think that would spark the uh, the economy because if say what you will about Philly, they know how to celebrate. I get that. Yes, um, that, that is correct. In any case, in Philadelphia, a car will get flipped if they lose. If they if they win, there'll be 17 cars that get flipped. <laughs> Bashir, go um go ahead and give us your pick, my man. Um you know, I, mean, I, I this the Chiefs going to be the best opponent that the Eagles have faced all year. Um a lot of Eagles fans, being Eagles fans, think that the Eagles just going to run over the Chiefs and it's going to be an easy, uh, easy game. I'm not one of those people. I think the Eagles going to win a close one, 27-23. The over-under right now is at 51, so I'm at the under. If the Eagles are going to win this game, like as far as the defensive plan, you know, you want to have a pass rush against Mahomes, but also that pass rush has to be – a disciplined pass rush to where as though you're not leaving gaps to let him escape. And, you know, we, we know what happens once he escapes, 
He's escaping to give somebody an opportunity to get deep and make a big play. Secondly, when we're talking about Travis Kelsey, you got to have a plan for him, but he's a mismatch nightmare because, you know, linebacker, he too shifty, too fast, safety, he too big. So you got to, like, mix up coverage and try and try to confuse Kelsey and Mahomes and then even also the other players because, you know, the Eagles play a lot of uh, quarters coverage. They play a lot of cover three. They play some man. They're not really a team that blitzes a lot because obviously we've seen with them getting 70 sacks during the season, they don't need to blitz. You know what I mean? They got four defense alignment with 10 plus sacks. So, and then also the one weakness on this defense is their run defense. They allow 4.6 yards a carry. Isaiah Pacheco has been running it well. Jarek McKinnon also can run it, but also, which is very understated, is McKinnon's ability as a receiver. I think he got, you know, nine receiving touchdowns this year. He's the second leading receiver as far as yards on this team. So the Eagles need to do a good job with McKinnon, whether he's coming out of the backfield, and they also line him up outside in the slot. Now, as far as the Eagles offensively, the physical domination with the offensive line is key. And then most importantly, Chris Jones is a, a nightmare. Yeah. He's a he's amazing. He's he went to Mississippi State like Fletcher Cox. He's what Fletcher Cox was during a prime of Fletcher Cox's career. You know what I mean? I looked at the stats earlier today. He done 30 hits on the quarterback this year. 15 sacks. I was about to say 15 and a half sacks from a DT. Interior lineman. That's not regular. That's not normal. (laughs) So the Eagles have to figure out, you know, what to do with him. And And a three technique like him always draws attention to two. So that allows one on one for the other three defense alignment. And then knowing Spags, Spags was a coach here. Um, Spags coached with the Giants, the Rams, and other places. Spagnolo is one of those guys that comes up with all types of exotic packages and looks, tries to confuse the quarterback. You know what I mean? He'll give you one look pre-snap, post-snap, that look of change, and there's a bunch of different guys coming and dropping. So the Eagles offensively, the offensive line, and they start with Kelsey, the center, communicating to the other four Lyman and, and Jalen Hurts and the receivers and tight ends got to be on the same page as far as the site adjustments post-snap. And then also, which is important, whatever running back is back there, left and pass protection, you have to know what you're looking at and what you're doing because pass protection is going to be key. He likes to send Legereus Sneed. Mm-hmm. He'll send McDuffie. He'll send linebackers, you know what I mean, for an extra guy. And that running back has had the capability of picking those guys up. And most importantly, if the Eagles can stay out of obvious passing situations, the whereas though the Chiefs can't tee off, that's really going to be key for me. The Eagles, you know what I mean, the third best rushing team in the league this year, if they can keep it in a situation – where they're able to run the ball, you know what I mean, three here, four here, five here, 
and then take advantage of A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith down the field on some chunk plays, 15 here, 20 here. You know what I mean? That would be key for them. The Eagles, in my opinion, been the most complete team this year in the NFL, and I think they win a close one over the Chiefs, 27-23. You know, I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. You guys have all close scores. Um, do not bet this game. That is my public service announcement. Not necessarily because I expect a close game, but the range of things that could happen when you look at it Mm-hmm. remind me of another Super Bowl that ended up being a complete and total disaster. And, of course, I'm, ref- I'm referencing Seattle's victory over one. Uh, Denver. Pay- yeah, over Denver, exactly. Over Peyton Manning, 100%, um, which I'm forgetting his middle name at the moment. It's something weird. But anyways, punchline's this. Um, that game matched up in very similar fashion. And when I wrote the article in the matchup mania for what would have been pro uh, pro player insiders at the time. Yeah, we both was um, writing for them at the time. Yeah, right, exactly. The um the the uh the the thing that I mentioned up front was hey, this could all be a disaster if something in the line goes wrong. Mm-hmm. It probably won't, but this is why it'll be close if it doesn't. If it goes completely wrong for the Chiefs early, it could get out of hand really fast. And this isn't a knock on Creed Humphrey, but more a tribute to the vast embarrassment of riches in the trenches for the Eagles defense. And and granted, so long as Andy Reid doesn't overthink things and try to put a line, or excuse me, try to put a tie in on Hassan Reddick, like Kyle Jenner did. Usa. Um, You know where I'm coming from there, darn it, Basir, you know. But um, um, I think you have a lot right there, too. Coach Sirianni said himself, you got to put different hats on Travis Michael Kelsey. That's its own unique challenge. But as with any football game, the trenches matter here. And and, and I think it's fo- the focus here is even greater with the the implications on the game and a lot of things you would see, see from Super Bowls. You know, Super Bowls usually start out slow scoring because both teams are trying to get the butterflies out and all that other kind of stuff. We can go on and on with that. The only thing I differ from you on, Bashir, is the score. You got 27-23. That is way off. Not really. I got 31-27 Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, with that in mind, I also say BP some work. He knows I'm picking the Eagles officially so he can rig the contest any way he needs to now. And for the Poly Memorial Cup. Um, and But, yeah, I, I, I've – and it's not just from talking uh, to Kurt Menefee and all that. This is, if you want to blame anything, it is my uh, alliance and 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 uh, how you say bias towards beef. My beef bias, if you will, <laughs> um, uh, of being a guy who who appreciates trench warfare first and foremost. But um, yeah, uh, that's where I'm at. I got the Eagles with that. I got thirty-one twenty-seven. I expect a great game, and I'm 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 incredibly lucky. I dare I even say blessed for this to be my first Super Bowl that I'm covering the game itself in person. Um, I'm super stoked about that. Um, you know, thanks to uh, A7BM for their involvement uh, and help making that happen. Thanks to, uh, of course, as well. Um, of course, I reference Captain Chris Hill and my good friend Ryan Paul himself, who does the sports updates with the Captain and Company Morning Show. And also, quick shouts to uh, my good friend, Controversy Raphael Haynes, who is part of the team here uh, covering the Super Bowl with me as well with 
the three-point conversion. So that's definitely an awesome thing to have happen. But now that I've given the people their sign that aren't on this show directly, yes, I'm counting you too, Brian Paul, but I was talking, you get it. Now that I'm talking about them, let's let the people on this show get their sign. BP, tell the world where you can be found, my friend. Well, he kind of took the thunder right away from me, but anyway, here it is. So, yes, no, you can hear me Monday through Friday, twice a morning on the Captain and Company in the morning radio show. Listen live on oldschool101.com on your mobile device. You can also listen to it on the TuneIn Radio app. You can also find me as a part of the family of friends growing here at Florida Sports Broadcasting, covering wall-to-wall Clay County High School Athletics and now with two cameras, oh, my God, they're going to put my face on television. What in the world are they <laughs> thinking that I would be here now if my camera was actually working? So, um, But, yes, you can uh, find me working with Florida Sports Broadcasting and A7BN Sports every day doing the daily sports wrap and your daily dose of sarcastic positivity in your horoscopes every morning on Captain and Company in the morning. And I'll be hopefully getting down to Orlando a lot to cover the XFL. So football is not done for us, friends. Lots to still work on as we get into 2023. Yes, you could be the guardian of our football joy. See what I did there. Anyways, um, no, looking forward to jump to jumping from the NFL to the XFL myself uh, to cover the Guardians. That's going to be fun, too. Bashir Umar Pemberton, the man I call the premier Bashir. Tell the world where you can be found, my guy. You can find me on Twitter at MuslimFBScout. MuslimFootballScout.com, and you know, just follow me on Twitter. You know, if I'm watching film, I will post some film. You know, I got notes down. I share the notes on Twitter, and you know, during the game on Sunday, I'll be live tweeting and giving my opinions um, about the game. And I'm also thinking about starting to do some live Twitter space shows as well. Okay, so you know. Just be on the lookout for that. I like the sound of that. I would be forced and compelled to hear the knowledge of the Muslim football scout because, hey, the student of the game, not just a clever nickname. Speaking of which, I am Kyle Nash, the student of the game. You can find me on Twitter at the SOTG. Find me on Instagram as the same, the SOTG. You'll be checking out the, if you want to drink out of a fire hose full of Super Bowl content, you check those out. Also on Facebook as a student of the game, mention that. But then over and above, you can see my article on the stuff we're not talking about quite enough with the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, I refer to some of their defensive uh, accolades throughout the year. Two rookies picked off Joe Burrow. We're not talking about that. What was that all about? Anyways, check that out on the3pointconversion.com. And, of course, my work as well covering UCF with the black and gold banneret. When I get back home, not only will I be covering XFL, there's still some college basketball to take place. Mm -hmm. And they have... One last uh, stint in the American. That tournament's going to be coming here very shortly before they transition to the Big 12. By the way, anybody else find it interesting that the Big 12 is pumping Jalen Hurts as a Big 12 quarterback in the Super Bowl along with Patrick LeVon Mahomes II, but we all know he's Alabama first. Anyways, with all that in mind, <laughs> check all that out, as well as um, my upcoming work with the XFL, as I mentioned, and, of course, my appearances involving A7 BN Sports on the Captain Company Morning Show on OldSchool101.com. In honor, joy, and privilege, thank you to Drew Will and Cam for uh, jumping in on the comments. <clears throat> thank you to BP. See, that's so efficient. I thanked you both at the same time. It was great. And thank all of you for checking out the 57th running of the bowl 
That is super here on the student of the game pod. But it's that time, my friends. Uh, I I got an early morning anyway because I got I don't know if I'm going to that Chiefs availability, but if I am, it's early. And anyway, until next time, my friends. Class dismissed. Hail Bucky's. <laughs>